Hi guys, this is Kimmy Jackson and welcome back to the Make Your Move podcast. So, how did it go? How was it observing attachment needs? Let's flash back to our last episode for just a bit here. Remember, attachment needs are your emotional blueprint, the foundation where all emotion derives. The very reason and purpose of your emotions, you all know this by now, is to what? That's right, to move you. And the way your emotions move you is by telling you what you need in any particular moment. In short, emotions tell you what you need. For today's episode, we are going to first recap a bit more and continue our discussion on attachment needs. Second, we're going to dive right in and have you start using your attachment needs to organize and understand your feelings or the feelings of others involved in your situation. Third, with the help of attachment needs, we're going to introduce a specific intervention to help you move with emotions and get unstuck. By doing this, we can continue to build upon what we know. Brick by brick, you will continue to develop your emotional intelligence. So no matter where you are, or what you're doing, or who you are with, you can recognize what you're feeling, understand why it is there, and intentionally move with that feeling. Ah, it makes me so excited saying that. I love it. So let's recap a little bit here from our last episode, where we were introduced to the emotional blueprint of attachment needs. This blueprint is to help organize and understand every feeling that we experience. We started to see how this blueprint underlies all emotions in and around us, in music and movies, our relationships, etc. This blueprint is an evidence-based theory, meaning it is heavily researched and proven effective and helpful. These attachment needs stem from attachment theory. Attachment needs are the instinctual or natural emotional needs that every human being on this planet possesses. It doesn't matter if you are a man or a woman, if you are 2, 14, 22, or 82. We each have this giant spectrum of emotions or feelings, and every feeling you experience is meant to satisfy, protect, or manage one of these three instinctual or attachment needs. So here is your attachment need blueprint. Let's see if you remember these from last episode, but I'm going to go ahead and repeat them just in case. So first we have our need to feel love and acceptance. This also includes feeling respected or appreciated. That's hugs or compliments, so on. Okay. So then we have our second attachment need, which is our need to feel understood and validated. The thoughts that you have matter and have value. They make sense. And last, but not at all in the least, we have our need to feel good enough, strong enough, capable, or proud. We need and want to feel competent or confident. If there is a way for me to highlight or bold or double underline something during a podcast, it would be your attachment needs. This is a way to think of it like your cheat sheet when it comes to understanding and becoming a master listener to your feelings. What I also need to emphasize is that your attachment needs are a significant part of your mental and emotional health. 
We know that the brain is the most important organ to our physical body, and we need to acknowledge attachment needs are essential to your emotional well-being. You are meant to be loved. You are worth understanding, and you are equipped and capable and competent. It might be a bit bizarre to think you've always had these attachment needs running on in the background, organizing and helping you maintain an emotional balance. You could even think of attachment needs as the air traffic control station for your emotional processing. They are constantly scanning and processing incoming stimuli to see if they fit, dismiss, or satisfy your attachment needs. For example, when these needs are met, whether by yourself or in a relationship, when these needs are met, you feel balanced. Conversely, in situations when these needs are not met, violated, or taken advantage of, attachment needs will send a message to you via an emotion to alert you that, hey, we're off balance here or something is missing, like being lied to. The emotion air traffic control center in your brain, the limbic system, reads this as a threat and uses your attachment needs to see how to regain emotional balance. It's not always an intense situation when attachment needs are unmet. It actually can happen pretty subtly as well. So here's a brief example brought to you by my sweet three-year-old. So one day last week, I was in my bathroom getting ready for work. I had already dropped off my six-year-old to school, put the baby down for his morning nap, and now it was go time for me to shower and to get ready before heading into work. So I was in more of a rush than usual, like I tried to throw the Q-tip in the clothes hamper and my towel in the garbage kind of rush. And in the middle of my hustle, I hear my three-year-old call out to me, Hey, Mommy, come see. I responded and I said, Honey, I can't come yet. Mommy is getting ready. Not even 30 seconds later, Mommy, come see. I built a secret hiding place for Batman. (laughs) Now, if you're a parent or have worked with children, you can all see exactly where this is going. My son will continue to repeat himself until what? I come and see what Lego creation he has built. What need is he calling out for repeatedly to be met here? Probably validation. His emotion air traffic control is telling him, dude, this Batman secret hiding place is the coolest. And you'll feel happy and proud of yourself if you receive validation from mommy. Because of my understanding of attachment needs, I recognize my own. I might feel annoyed or interrupted because my son doesn't understand. Mommy is in a hurry, as usual. And I can also see what my son is calling out for. Shortly after I recognize his creativity and excitement, he will walk away from our conversation feeling validated, loved, and proud of his efforts. Remember, we learned from Dr. Harlow and his monkeys. Sorry, (laughs) that just sounded weird. But we learned that our emotional needs to feel love, uh, safety, and comfort are crucial. Even more crucial than the needs of nourishment from food or water. My three-year-old might protest and say his fruit snacks are pretty essential nourishment. 
But then I think about the times when he runs up to me, puts his hands on my face and says, Mommy, can I give you a real hug and kiss? And I see his sweet brown eyes light up. It feels pretty great to be ranked right up there with root snacks. Not going to (laughs) lie. Attachment needs may initially sound pretty egocentric. And that's because they are. But that's not all. Why do you think they're called attachment needs? Our species, the human race, is an attaching or relational ecosystem. Attachment needs are all about connection. Connecting to ourselves, the environment, relationships. It's important that we recognize and meet our own attachment needs, but we're not placed on this planet on our own individual island. One of the first gifts and responsibilities that we're given when we are born are bodies and a family. Healthy or unhealthy, our existence starts with relationships. Relationship with self and relationship to a family. Diving deeper into attachment theory, it is these early childhood relationships that shape our world and perspective of self. Attachment theory emphasizes the home and early relationships, healthy or unhealthy, safe or unsafe, as our first learning institution for life. Attachment needs absolutely help me organize my feelings and pinpoint how I need to move in a situation. But I will also tell you that because of attachment needs, anyone can walk into my office and together we can identify understand and explain the feelings they are experiencing. Any tantrum, power struggle, fear, anxiety, satisfaction, or happiness fits into your attachment needs. For you, and for now, it's critical to recognize and remember, remember, remember that your feelings are normal. They are important and they make sense. The way I feel is real. That's a pretty nice ring to it, so I'm going to go ahead and say it again. The way I feel is real. It's also just as critical to recognize and remember, remember, remember that I am not the only person in a situation, conversation, or conflict. I am not the only person with attachment needs trying to balance how they feel. I'm not the only person who needs to feel loved recognized, understood, or capable. The way other people feel is real too. Yes, other drivers, your waiter or waitress, the football official, the voice on the other end of your customer service call, the way they feel is real too. We all have a responsibility to take care of our feelings and to respect and recognize the value of others' feelings too. So if you're like me, whenever I'm assimilating new information, I I like to be a bit stubborn and look for exceptions. And I totally get it. (laughs) So you might ask, if every feeling can be explained, then do we ever overreact or misread situations that cause unnecessary feelings? Absolutely. We're talking about human nature here. And I also try to be weary when I hear about a theory or a product that proclaims itself as the silver bullet. This is what you've been waiting for and it will answer all of your problems. 
I fall into that trap a few times, and my husband was not thankful for all the spam that loaded onto our laptop. Sorry about that. (laughs) So I hope that isn't the message that I'm sending here when I talk about attachment needs. So I'll be very clear and say attachment needs will not stop negative feelings from occurring. What it does is explain why they are there and guide you to how you need to respond. Our feelings are not meant to be controlled. They are meant to be listened to. And when we know what we're listening for, then you can use your emotions, understand, and manage them. Okay, there's our recap. Enough talking. Time for some application here. I, I'm wondering, since you've been tuned in to Make Your Move, have you noticed where you are or generally get stuck, mentally or emotionally? Have you started to see the efforts you are making to avoid this uncomfortable or painful feeling? Do you notice where in your life you are feeling off balance? That can be both an enlightening and very frustrating self-discovery. It is also a very typical response when being introduced to attachment needs. We roll out this blueprint and tell you it's always been there to organize the emotions you experience. Inevitably, you will think of a situation or circumstance that has been challenging for you. That could be a perpetual argument with someone you love, a family member who constantly minimizes your opinions or a stubborn work dynamic, a violation of trust, really anything. You hear about attachment needs, a way to organize your feelings, and then you start to think about where you get stuck or where you're feeling disorganized. That means your drive for emotional intelligence is already kicking in. Our brains love puzzles, gathering new information, sorting it, and feeling put together. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the phrase, knowledge is power. And I know that sounds a lot like a poster hanging up in a middle school hallway. Well, I will tell you, this statement is just as true today as it was when you were 13. Knowledge is power, and self-awareness is an acquisition of knowledge, knowledge of yourself. A key component to emotional intelligence is being aware of you, your feelings, your thoughts, and how you interact with the world. Because bottom line, your feelings matter. They've always mattered, and they really do make sense, especially in the places where you feel stuck. All right, so let's test out these attachment needs. We're going to start with an easy example and then focus on where you're feeling stuck. So to start off, I want you to think of someone in your life that you are thankful for. Not a celebrity or public figure. We'll use Celine Dion as an example another day. (laughs) No, I want you to think of someone um, that is closer to you. This could be a romantic partner, a family member, maybe a mentor or a coach or a church leader or a coworker that's a really good listener. Think of someone you have intentionally attached yourself to. Okay, so as you think of this person, name a quality or two out loud that you admire or are grateful for from this person. I'll jump in and name my basketball coach from high school, Brad Smith. When I think of Brad, I instantly am grateful for his time. I want you to think about this person and the accompanying feelings 
Okay, sit there for just a bit, and maybe a memory or two will arise as you think about this person and the specific quality that you're grateful for or admire about them. All right, now let's compare these feelings you're experiencing to your attachment needs and see what happens. Did this person offer love or care for you or appreciate and involve you? Did this person provide empathy and understanding to you and validate you and let you know, no, you're not crazy. I got you. And did this person extend a belief or a confidence in you, even if you doubted yourself? I am confident that the quality you named for this person fits into one of your attachment needs. So when I say I'm grateful for Brad Smith and for the time that he offered, logically, that would make sense. A coach makes sacrifices to lead his team. Yeah, I can see why that would be important to me. But when I plug this value, this quality of time into my attachment needs and emotional blueprint, I understand and therefore can communicate why my coach's time meant the world to me, my teammates, our school, and the entire community. Brad's time demonstrated his devotion and dedication. Brad took the time to teach, to understand, and to listen to me when I didn't know if playing college basketball was the right decision for me. And then there was always time, whether at the top of his lungs or with his arm around my shoulder, there was always time for him to remind me of my role and my important contributions that I made to our team. Chances are the Brad Smith you are thinking about met each of your attachment needs in some form or fashion. When our attachment needs are met, there resides feelings of gratitude, appreciation, content, a peace, or happiness. We need to stop talking about love and happiness as philosophical, intangible, or cliche. There is a way, actually a very specific way, for you to feel and enjoy love and happiness in your life. It is through relationships that value, honor, and support your attachment needs. Now, what about situations when attachment needs are not met? This is the time to think about where you are currently stuck. When I ask a client to reflect on a recent argument or conflict, it doesn't take long for them to identify which attachment need or needs are not being satisfied. Oh yeah, I don't feel loved or appreciated. Or maybe they'll say, I don't feel safe. I always feel like I'm on the outside looking in, wanting to be included. Why don't they think of me? Or maybe they'll say something like, yeah, I just feel crazy. Like no one could possibly understand where I'm coming from. Or maybe they might say something like, what could I possibly do or say that would improve the situation? Something's wrong with me. No matter how hard I try, I don't make a difference. As you think of your scenario, can you identify which attachment need is not being met? Maybe there's more than one of them, but what I want to do is I want to encourage you to focus on the attachment need and feelings that are most intense. What hurts more or what is most frustrating? 
As soon as you identify your attachment needs in a given situation, especially when you are frustrated or off balance, you are starting to piece the puzzle together and you are one step closer to moving through that situation. You have already started to unstuck yourself. (laughs) Attachment needs uncomplicate the process of understanding how you feel and knowing what to do with it. If you can remember that every feeling serves a purpose and that purpose is connected to one of your attachment needs, then you will be the next emotional intelligence rock star or ninja. (laughs) I don't think I've mentioned yet that I am a mom of all boys. So you just wait for when all the Star Wars analogies start to come into play. (laughs) Saying how we feel is so important. And understanding the attachment need is more than naming the feeling. It gives purpose to what you are feeling. But how many of us have a difficult time saying how we feel or even knowing what the feeling is? Well, don't worry. You are definitely not alone in that area. This is not a skill that we are regularly taught or are teaching, but it is a very simple and key ingredient for emotional intelligence. And we're going to step in and help you with this area right now. Naming the emotion or emotions you are experiencing is a specific tool or the fancy term intervention that can apply to all ages in the development of emotional intelligence. As humans, we experience an entire spectrum of emotions. There's confidence, content, bitterness or regret, betrayed, cherished. Actually, during this part of therapy, I will often provide my client or a family with an emotion vocabulary page. Thank you to Tom Drummond of Seattle, Washington for sharing this material online. On that page, he has listed over 400 emotional descriptors. 400. I love seeing people's eyes widen when they realize what lies inside of them or terrified of what lies inside of their teenager. (laughs) We need to be aware of and discover all of the emotions we own inside of us. We are multidimensional beings. Therefore, you are multi-feeling, multi-emotional, dynamic, complex, creative, and I think it's all incredible. 400 emotional descriptors is a lot, but I think that gives us an idea of how much we've been missing out on what we are experiencing emotionally. The Public Library of Science, uh, called PLUS One, is an online peer-reviewed journal database. A particular article I came across in their archive was a study performed in the France and Belgium regions. In 2015, I'm going to do my best to pronounce their names, Trompe, Quitbach, and Taguet created a smartphone application that measured emotions in everyday life. Their study included over 60,000 users. So there were a lot of fascinating findings from this project, but what I want to highlight is this. They said on average, people reported experiencing one or several emotions 90% of the time. Specifically, participants indicated experiencing one or several positive emotions 41% of the time, one or several negative emotions 16% of the time, 
and at least one positive and one negative emotion, like a mix of emotions, 33% of the time. So what I gather from this study, personally and professionally, is that we're always feeling. And although we are always feeling, typically people aren't very comfortable with saying how they feel. For instance, when I say hello to someone and ask, hey, how are you? Generally speaking, how do we respond to that question? We hear, good, fine, or okay. Now, ask yourself, is fine a feeling? Well, what I'll tell you is that you will not find good, okay, or fine listed among the 400 emotional vocab list. One of my professors and mentors from Gonzaga University, Mark Young, he introduced this concept, and I remember him saying, we often choose between one of two F-words to describe how we feel, fine and frustrated. You might use the third F-word as well, also not a feeling word. <laughs> when you hear someone say they are fine, do you really know how they're feeling? Not exactly. See, fine can be anything from I'm fine to I'm fine or anything in between. Fine doesn't tell you how I'm doing or what I need, but maybe my body language or tone of voice did. Maybe. Now, frustrated is a feeling word. However, it can be pretty vague as well. The skill with naming how you feel requires us to zoom in. Put your feeling on a disc and with a microscope, capture what it is you are truly feeling. So here's a picture for you to think of while practicing naming how you feel. I was driving my son to school the other day, and about halfway through the drive, I realized how dirty my windshield was. Not just water spots or smudges of dirt. My windshield was covered in bugs. I couldn't believe for the first 10 minutes of my drive that I didn't even notice how many dead bug guts <laughs> were covering my windshield. I had some, or I made some kind of icky noise to point out the bugs to my six and three year old sons, and they started to laugh. And then my full of questions six year old asked me, Mom, what kind of bugs are they? So reluctantly, I began to examine dead bug guts smashed on my windshield, and from what I could see, and I am not an entomologist, <laughs> I'm not even sure if I said that right, I gathered that there was at least one dead dragonfly. The rest? Well, I'll just spare you the details. <laughs> so this is what it's like putting our emotions under a microscope. They've always been there, and most of the time, we're operating around them. We're too tired, distracted, stressed, medicated with caffeine, and so we miss our feelings. Even more so, we miss the messages that our feelings are trying to send us. I really want to challenge you here to be specific when you name how you feel. Move through the I don't know or, gosh, this is ridiculous. Stop judging how you feel and just name it. <laughs> When I'm practicing this skill at work, I might hear someone say they're anxious. And you know what I say in response? What kind? That's right. There are multiple manifestations of anxious. Anything from worried to nervous, anticipation, fear, caring, pride, crisis, panic, alone. 
Do you see that? You need to be specific because remember, emotions tell you what you need. And whether you are feeling nervous or having difficulty breathing because you're feeling panicked or insecure about how you sound in a group of people, see, there's something different happening there. You need something different in each of those situations. You can't go into a car repair garage and say, hey, there's something wrong with my car. Can you fix it? Sure. (laughs) You got to let them know, is it the tire or the speakers, maybe the windshield wipers because there's a bunch of bugs there. (laughs) You need to be specific. Take time to zoom in and name your feeling. So let me share some motivation from the beautiful and genius mind of Sue Johnson, the creator of Emotionally Focused Therapy. It's a therapy that's completely based off of attachment theory. She states, naming an emotion begins the process of regulating and reflecting on it. What we name, we can tame. When we give meaning to something, we can tolerate it and even change its impact. If you're in a relationship, she also encourages the same sentiment as she says, the most functional way to regulate difficult emotions in a love relationship is to share them. There are two significant responses that take place as we name how we feel. First, you satisfy your instinctual attachment needs, love, validation, and capability. You took the time to hear and determine what you are feeling. You also show yourself that you are worth the time to listen to and you are capable of taking care of your feelings. And what follows is that mentally and physiologically, you begin to slow down. You have started a regulatory process and now you can think more clearly. You align the efforts of your limbic system the emotion center, as well as part of your prefrontal cortex, okay, where logic and reasoning reside. And that, my friends, is a very strong start to emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is a journey of honesty, self-discovery, responsibility, some experimentation of trial and error, and humility. It is not a specific location that you work towards and simply arrive. So for today, I'm going to challenge you to name how you feel. Don't settle for, I don't know, or something vague like good or okay. I can't wait to hear how it goes for all of you. And that is what we have for today. I know it was a lot, but it was all good stuff. So I want to quickly here, before I wrap things up, share a few resources if you'd like to learn more Um, or receive more instruction around attachment needs. So if you'd like to learn how to use attachment needs and understand uh, and increase the connection in a love or romantic relationship, I strongly recommend the book Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. If you're interested in learning how to use attachment theory to strengthen the bonds with your children and understand their development and be in tune with their feelings, I'm going to direct you to the website. It's called Circle of Security and their book, Raising a Secure Child by Kent Hoffman, Glenn Cooper, and Burnt Powell. Thanks so much, you guys, for tuning in today. And I can't wait as we continue to build our emotional intelligence together. All right. 
ไป